This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys are the spiritual, spiritual people. You didn't go away for fall break. You showed up on a Sunday. If you do, if you check your fantasy football team during service, though, you will lose all those spiritual points, and your fantasy football team will lose. Just saying that's the way it works. So don't do it. Don't be tempted. Your teams will be fine after. Um, hey guys, we're continuing in our series called Aliens, where. Uh, we're working through the book of 1 Peter, where 1 Peter is addressing these Christians that have been exiled. They're now aliens. They've been sent away, kicked out of their communities, living in a land that they don't know with the people they don't know. And they're, they're these new Christians that Peter's writing to, and he's, he's unpacking what does this whole thing look like? Now that you are born again, now that you've come to faith, what does this look like? What does our faith look like? And the title of today's message is The Call to Love. So open with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It's good. You're better than first service or awake. Okay, we're reading out of the NIV, um, and it says this. It says, therefore, that word is important. We're going to come back to it. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Anytime you see a therefore in scripture, it's referring back to the thing that was just covered. And so in order to get that context, we have to go back. In fact, the book of 1 Peter, if you read through it, there are multiple therefores. Because what Peter is doing is he's laying this case out. Now that you are saved, you are exiles in this land. You've gone through this suffering. Therefore, live holy lives. Therefore, love one another. Therefore, put away deceit. And so we're going backwards today uh, to what uh, Pastor Dave ended with last week, which is 1 Peter 1, verses 22 through 23, where Peter says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So chapter one ends in this way, and then it pulls it forward into, into 1 Peter 2, verses one through three, where he's talking about relationships. He's talking about this idea of, and, and he's, he's doing this play on words here. In verse 22, he says to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And then in 2.1, he's saying, therefore, lay aside all deceit and malice and slander and hypocrisy. Get those things out of there since you've been born again. And then he ties that again into like newborn banes crave the pure spiritual milk. So he's tying these two phrases together. And, and this brings us to our first point, which is the call to love requires us to put away the sins of the heart. So I want to take you guys here. Like we're sitting here today. We're American Christians. We live in a Western world. And we're sitting here in 2021. Our world looks very, very different from those early Christians, from the Christians that would have been in that first century. And so I want to take you guys back there to kind of transport you back to lay the foundation as to why Peter's unpacking all of these things. You see, in that first century, Jesus has come. He's lived his life. There's this movement that's starting. There's these people that are following him. And so the Jews are like, we're going to take care of this by, by killing Jesus, by putting him on the cross. 
And then all of a sudden, he's resurrected, and now this early church has, has boomed. Now all of a sudden, the apostles are still spreading the message of Jesus, and people are coming to faith. And so what you end up with is, is these two different worlds of people coming to faith. You have these Jews that were raised with the ways of God. They, they, they were raised as small children. They were a chosen people. They were re, uh, raised with the precepts of God in their hearts, in their homes. They knew all the things to do. And now these people are hearing about the message of, of Jesus, and they're, they're realizing Jesus was the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus was the person that we we're looking for, that now there's, there's this new covenant that Jesus came and fulfilled the law, and they're accepting Jesus in their heart, at the same time, you have these Gentiles that are living, that come from totally different places, that come from totally different cultures. A lot of them would have come from very hedonistic, worshiping false gods, doing sexuality the way they, they want to do, sexual worship in the temples. They're coming out of that, and now they are accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. That, that they're realizing that, that Christ came to save me too. And so you have these, these kind of two worlds colliding, and so when Peter is writing to these people, he's, he's primarily writing to the Jews that have come to, to, to Christ, that have become Christians, but he's also writing to this new group of Christians that are now living in an exiled land. And so what he's doing, what Peter is saying is, guys, here's going to be your tendency. You, you came out of Judaism, you've accepted Christ into your heart, but all the rules and the regulations and all of that stuff that you've done previously, you're going to want to return to those things. You're going to want to look at these Gentiles that are now Christ followers and say, we don't have anything to do with them because they, they came from cultures and communities that a Jew would have never been associated with. They would have never intermarried. They would have never broke bread together. They would have never done business together. And so Peter is writing to these people, and here's what he's saying. Now that you are Christians, now that you have left Judaism and you've become a Christian, now that you have left your Gentile ways or hedonism or worshiping false gods and you've now become a Christian, you are now a community together. You are the Christian. You are the body of Christ. And so love one another with a love that is earnest and a love that is pure. Therefore, lay aside all deceit and all malice, and all envy, and all slander. Lay all of these things aside, because your tendency is going to be to want to look at them, this Gentile that's, that's come to Jesus, and they eat bacon, and they're not circumcised, and I don't eat bacon, and I'm circumcised. Keep them separate. Thank you. That was funny. I didn't get a lot of laughter at that. Um, so what he's saying here is, guys, we have to love each other with the love that is pure and it's honest and it comes from this place inside. Now, we fast forward to today to where we sit here. Now, obviously, some of that stuff doesn't really apply, but I think it applies in a couple of ways. How many people were raised in church, raised with knowledge of God, raised with yeah, more hands than first service? Okay. How many of you were former knuckleheads saved by Jesus? Okay, that's good. So the thing I love about Life Church is we got a lot of former knuckleheads that are becoming less and less knuckleheady. Um, through the grace of God. Amen. Um, so it applies to us in this way, right? That there is a tendency. I was raised in church. I was raised with all the things I wasn't supposed to do, all the things I was supposed to do. I was raised with the people I was supposed to hang out with and the people that you definitely didn't hang out with. 
even if they became a Christian, it's like they're kind of a scary Christian that like smokes pot on the weekends, right? Like bake Saturday night, worship Sunday. I don't know. So, so but he, what he's, that, how this applies to us is that we have that tendency, right? We, we all know the, the judgy church person, right? We all know the, the arrogant church person that knows more than we do, right? right? And for you former knuckleheads or mild knuckleheads now that Jesus has saved you, right? You, you walk into a church, you can spot those people across the room. You're like, oh yeah, that's judgy church lady. I'm staying away from that, right? In fact, not only am I gonna stay away from that, I'm gonna outjudge you, church lady. What up with that, you know? And, and so now, now there's this thing to where Peter is calling us saying, guys, you, you are the body of Christ. You are called to love one another. And we're gonna unpack in a second why that's so important. But the second issue that I think is even more relevant today and more pertinent today is that the last 18 to 24 months have become the most divisive time that I've seen in my lifetime. Everybody's got opinions. About a month ago, it was literally every single person I saw throughout the day wanted to spend the first 10 minutes telling me all of their opinions about all the things. It's exhausting, right? But we have this tendency, even us in the body of Christ, where we have these political views. We got the Trumpers, we got the never Trumpers, we got the, the, the secret Democrats that are sitting amongst you today, those people. We've got the maskers, we've got the non-maskers, we've got the hesitant maskers, we've got the pro-vaccine, we've got the anti-vaxxers, we've got the hesitant vaxxers, we've got the pro-science, we've got the don't trust science. We have all of our little tribes and because we live where we live today, and because we have the families that we have, and because we can choose who we let into our world, who we follow on social media, what our circles look like, that I, I fear that the tendency for the church is that we shrink. It says, that, oh, oh, I, can, I can hang out with these people. Hey, yeah, they got this, and they're against that. Yep, they say the right things. I, I, I can hang out with these people because they're against those things. They're for these things. And in that, we have this tendency to want to look across the room and to see someone that would be the other, to see someone that would be the bacon eater, to see someone that would be the person that can't have a lot to do. And so this tendency for us as we grow in our faith that, that Peter knows, we have a tendency to fall away from the things that actually matter. We have this tendency to allow deceit to, to come into our hearts or malice towards other people or slander where we gossip these other people or to have hypocrisy in our hearts, to pump ourselves up. See, Peter wasn't immune to this. About 20 years earlier from when this is written, you, you see where Paul is writing in Galatians 2, where Paul goes to Peter and he's like, bro, what's going on? You're, you're a hypocrite. See, when, there, when there's no Jews that are now Christians around, you're, you're sitting with the Gentiles, you accept them, you're breaking bread with them, you're accepting them as Christ followers. But then as soon as the, the Jews that have now accepted Christ show up, you're distancing yourself from this group of people because you, you don't want to be seen with these, these Jews that are now Christians as, as hanging out with these Gentiles that are coming out. And, and Paul says that he opposed him, that he called him out to his face, that he opposed him face to face and said, what are you doing? That's hypocrisy. And so Peter, with that in the backdrop of his mind, he's penning these words and he's saying, guys, I've been there. I know how easy it is to do this. Why it's important is because 
Jesus said it was important. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is addressing his disciples right here. Jesus is, is addressing the people that are gonna go and to plant the early church. When Jesus says something one time, it's kind of important, Jesus said it. If he says it twice, you should pay attention. If he says it three times, it's of utmost importance. What Jesus is saying here is that how we love one another as the body of Christ is how the world will see what we're made of. And I think the worry is that the world looks in to our social media lives and the world looks into the relationships that we have and they see the same level of infighting and opinions and tribalism as it's out there in the world. And what, what Jesus is saying here and what the message is for us is that how we love one another, how we reach across and set our opinions aside on the things that don't matter and how we love that person that is sometimes hard to love, love that person that has the, the different opinion that we don't approve of, how we love that person is the testimony to the world that draws people to Christ, that allows the world to see, whoa, they're different. There's something completely different about them. Look how they love each other. They, Somebody that voted for Trump and Biden, they go to the same place and they hug each other? What? That's insane. Leads us to our second point. Call to love requires us to desire the pure message of the gospel. See, 1 Peter 2, verse 2. He says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Brave, pure, spiritual milk. What does that phrase mean? The, the first thing that it means is, it, anyone, anyone else bad at English, language arts? Yeah, there's limited hands in the first service too. I feel really bad about myself after today. But um, I, I was like remedial English going to college. Like they didn't almost, they almost didn't let me into grad school because they're like, everything looks good, but these English scores are pretty bad. Like I was helping my daughter with sixth grade English a couple of nights ago and I had to call in reinforcements. I was like, Christy, you've got this. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's way too complicated for me. I don't like English. Verbs, nouns, all of that. It's all just super boring to me. Um, but it's really important in this passage because when you unpack this, this scripture here, lay aside all deceit, malice, all these things, crave pure spiritual milk that you may grow in your salvation. I'm smart enough to know there's some verbs in there, right? But the imperative verb, the authoritative verb, is the crave pure spiritual milk. And this is where we're going to camp for the remainder of our, uh, of our service here today. Because that word crave, that means, to, that means a longing. It means a desire. It means it's, it's like the, the, the biggest level of craving that you could have, the biggest desire that you could have. It's used in other parts of the Bible, like Psalm 42, 1, that says, as a deer pants for the flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O God. Psalm 84, 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of, of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Psalm 119, 131, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. And so this idea of craving this pure spiritual milk, what, what Peter is doing is he's putting the emphasis 
back on the relationship that we have with Jesus who lives in our hearts. He's putting that squarely back where it should be. See, I, the way I was raised, every time I got to a negative list in scripture, like lay aside all deceit, malice, envy, slander, it's like, okay, geez, okay, I gotta do these five things. And then once I do these five things, then I'll crave uh, the pure spiritual milk. Then I'll crave Jesus. Then Jesus will be more, more in my heart. And, and what Peter's saying is like, Hey, yeah, 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 we, we, we got to lay aside these things. We, we, we got to understand. We got to notice these sins as they, they, they creep up in our life. But the authoritative command is that you crave spiritual milk, that you return to the root. You return to the simple, pure milk of the word of God that penetrates our heart to the simple message of the gospel. That's the emphasis. And it's, it blows my mind because this behavior modification Peace. That's not how God changes our hearts. He changes our hearts because we spend time with him and we crave the right things and then our hearts change and then our behaviors change. It comes from that internal place. But what does this mean to pure spiritual milk? You see, these Christians, they had the Old Testament. They had the apostles that were teaching them. Depending on where they lived, they maybe had an epistle. Maybe, maybe something had come to their church. Maybe they have the letters of, of Paul. Maybe they have this letter now to Peter. They, they have bits and pieces. They're putting it in, but they, they've accepted this truth in their heart of what God has done in their life, that they've been so moved by the love and the grace of God that they realize that I can't do this on my own. And that movement has allowed them to now become Christians. And what Peter is saying here today is he's saying, let Go of all the other stuff and return back to that simplicity, which is love. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, a famous passage that if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This simple truth of love. And what we have a tendency to do, and I do it too, is that we fill ourselves up, especially the longer that we're saved, with all the extra stuff. And oh yes, I pray every day, and I read my Bible, and I know all these things, and I've graduated from the Bible, and I now read the theology book, which explains the Bible in more depth. And, and I prophesy, and when I prayed for that person, they were healed, and God answers my prayers 73.7% of the time, and I can get on stage, and I can speak a message, and I can lead a life group. All saying, you do all that stuff for God, but you don't love that person. But you have judgment in your heart towards that person. But you live a life full of hypocrisy. You don't love the body of Christ. And you've missed the point of the gospel message. You've missed the point of what Jesus did in, your, in our hearts. So craving the right things, it, it made me realize this week, I went back and I read the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I encourage you guys this week to, and I put this in, in Digging Deeper, which is what we use every week for our sermon-based life groups, um, sit for 15 minutes, pray that God reveals these sins of the heart in, in our lives, and read through Matthew 5 through 7. Because when you read through that and you sit in this place of prayer, you begin to realize 
I ain't doing most of this stuff. Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say, if you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder. Jesus said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I, I tell you, if someone slaps your right cheek, give them the other cheek. Jesus says, when you pray, don't, don't pray like the hypocrite who stands on the street corner, stands in the synagogue, and so everyone can hear all the beautiful words coming out of his mouth. Jesus says, when you fast, don't walk around with a gloomy face so that everyone knows that you're fasting. Jesus said, judge not, that you not be judged. See, all of these statements do two things. One makes us realize how unlike Jesus we actually are. Two, we realize that we cannot fully embody all of these things, which leads us to grace, which leads us back to the love. You see, as, as Peter is unpacking what this is, he's saying, crave the pure spiritual milk. Crave the essence and the simplicity of the spirit spirituality that's been unpacked, what God has done in your hearts, what called you to him, love, embody, love, crave the love, crave in your relationship with him, return to the thing that matters most. And when you do that, what comes out of you is love for one another. So let go of all the other things and to return back to this place. What is God motivated by? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And all we got to do is believe in that. Love is the essence of who God is. Why did God create all of this? Why did he create us? Walk in relationship with us. To have love. To have communion. Why did God send his son to die on the cross to live the life that we couldn't live? Love. Why did Jesus take those steps to get onto the cross, to bear the sins of the world, to take all the things that you and I cannot live up to? Love. He ascended to the Father. Why was the, the early church started? Love. Love one another so that the world knows, that the world can see in and say, oh my gosh, there's something different there. The early church boomed because it had love, because it took care of one another. And then the outpouring of taking care of one another loved the outside world. And it was this beautiful picture of what God can do when the body of Christ loves one another, because love unites us in our hearts. His love is what called you. It's what drew you. I don't know where any of you came from whether you came from knucklehead or you came from being raised in church or you came from another religion or you were raised with all sorts of different ideas or you're agnostic. Or, I don't know where any of you are, but the thing that makes Christianity different than all other religions is it says it's not about what you do to get to God, but it's about what God did to get to you out of love. And when that is birthed in our hearts, it produces this salvation. But so many times, guys, we leave that craving, we leave that essence, and we go to the bigger things of God, and we start learning all of these things. And Peter's saying, stop, stop, take notice. What do you have in your heart? 
What judgment do you have? What hypocrisy do you have? What malice do you have? What deceit do you have? If you notice these things, come back like a baby that is born again. He's, he's speaking to these people that knew everything there was to know about God, but now they have this knowledge of God. He's saying, act as if. You're, you're born again. It's a new covenant. It's, it, it, the, the law has been fulfilled through the work of Jesus on the cross. It's not about the law. It's not about just what you do. It's about who God is and that, it, that penetrates our hearts and allows us to live from that place. And when that, when that gets birthed inside of us, it produces love for other people, for the body of Christ. Call to love requires us, our third point, to leave all other cravings behind. You see, if you're a lot like me, I noticed this week, oh, wow, my cravings are not always where they need to be. And I, I lose sight of this so quickly. What are you filling your lives with? Anybody else trying to eat their way through COVID? Couple of hands, rest of you. I love chips. I love chips. Any chip lovers in here? Salty? There you go. Right. Any sweet lovers? Sugar? Go for the sugar. I don't go for the sugar. My daughter goes for the sugar. I asked her a couple months ago what percentage of the day she spends thinking about candy. Her number is about 80%. Made me realize that every time I invite her to go with me, it's you know, the only thing she's weighing is their potential for a gas station shop because, you know, a stop because a potential for gas station means potential candy, which, you know, whatever. Um, so during COVID, yeah, I tried to eat my way through it for a little bit there. Um, and chips are my thing, man, especially when I'm stressed out, when I've had a long day, right? And like, I tried to be healthy the last few years, but it's COVID. Like, what else are you going to do? Let's just go for it, man. So, you know, it started off with just like Cool Ranch Doritos, Nacho Cheese Doritos. It's like, okay, those, those are great. Those are good. It's like, oh, yeah, this brings me back to my childhood. This is awesome. Um, but then it's like, let's get fancy, right? We go chili cheese Fritos today. Sour cream and cheddar. Oh, those are good. Maybe I'm feeling fancy. Maybe it's a Funyun day. Or the Gardettos, the little rye chips. Oof, yeah, you get that, a little string cheese. Mmm. That is good, right? And if I had a super bad day, like super bad, because I just feel really bad after I eat these, you just get the Cheetos, right? And you just eat that whole thing. And then for you rookies out there that wipe the cheese off with a napkin, no, you save those fingers. You savor those fingers. It got so bad that my kids, when I'd roll into the driveway, they'd run out to my truck to see what chips daddy bought today, hoping there was some left at the bottom of the bag. It also got so bad that by my mid-afternoon, I started daydreaming about what type of chip I was going to put into my body today. It's like, oh, this is definitely a Cheeto day. I can't wait. What was happening? That craving was being developed inside me, a really bad craving. I'm paying for now. Forced, forced to eat salmon the other night. But um, the, what's what you feed your bodies is what you begin to crave. We all know this. But what we feed our souls is what we begin to crave. You might find yourself in a spot today where 
Maybe it's the cravings of the flesh. Maybe, maybe you're, you're gravitating towards these things that aren't good for you. The, the addictions, the pornography, doing things the way that you want to do them. Maybe, as we're talking here today, you notice, gosh, I got to stop hating people online so much. I got to stop judging that person every time I see them. Maybe it's the sins of the heart. But whatever you fill your life with, whatever social media you fill your life with, does anyone else get the like super shamey, this is how much time you spent online this week on your phone? We get that every week. I like to get that every Sunday, mo- Sunday morning so I can pray about it while I'm here, right? It's like, oh, I was down this week. Wow, kind of felt like I was up, but whatever. I'm down, I guess. So, uh, but w- whatever you're filling yourself with, you're filling yourself with the news 10 hours a day, you're on Instagram following all the people that say all the right political things, and then you follow those three politicians you super hate and then make terrible comments about them online. What are the things you're filling your souls with? Because whatever you're filling your soul with, that is the thing that will give birth inside of you. My encouragement to you, this isn't a message where we're saying to, to I'm going to unpack the three ways that you crave, crave God more to read your Bible, pray. It's not a formulaic thing. Peter's saying here, he's saying, set aside these things in the context of relationships with others to crave the pure spiritual milk so that you might grow in your salvation. What produces the growth? It's, it's craving more and more and more of the thing that you want to see burst inside of us. It's, it's taking that moment every day to not just say a prayer and to read a psalm, but to say, God, what is in my heart? What malice do I have in my heart? What judgment do I have in my heart? Every time I see that person, what is that producing? What, what is it I really want to say online right now to that person that believes that thing? God, I give that to you, and I pray that your Holy Spirit comes in. Reveal your love and your grace anew in my heart. And the more that we begin to practice that, the more that we walk that out, the more that we begin to crave the things of God, the more that you see that love become evidence where it's like, wow, five years ago, I would have really hated that dude, but I don't hate him now. I can love him. I can accept him. I can sit with him in a life group because your life becomes different because God changes you from the inside out. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here, whatever way this message has pricked their hearts and the way it's challenged me. Set aside all the stuff to crave you more, want you more. Maybe there's someone here today that it's the first time you're hearing this. This is the first time you're, you're and you're feeling that prick of, of God's love and grace towards your heart. Allow him in. God, I pray that you reveal your love in our hearts, that we return back to the thing that actually matters, that you produce a craving inside of us to desire the pure spiritual milk, the simplistic message of love. Since you loved us, let us love one another. Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.